Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. I am so happy to talk to our guest today. She is the Director of Corporate Finance at BMO Financial Group, working within the agriculture sector. She also teaches as adjunct professor in the Master of Food and Resource Economics program at the University of British Columbia. From Langley, British Columbia, I'd like to welcome Karen Taylor. Welcome, Karen, and thank you so much for being here. How are you thank today? Thank you. I'm great. Thank you. I'm really excited for this conversation, and I'm really glad to be here. Awesome. So what is your background? I understand you have a farm in Langley. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, my husband and I, yeah, we have a small hobby farm in Langley where, you know, we have some horses and I have some laying hens and we have a little bit of uh, land on which, you know, we grow a little bit of crop, a little bit of hayland, and I do some you know, gardening and things like that. So it's, it's, it's a hobby farm and uh, we both have, uh, you know, jobs off farm and I really like living in Langley and I really like living you know, on a little bit of acreage and um, having my animals around me. It's, you know, a great life. Yeah, I guess. So I am always interested in the future of agriculture. Um, it's undoubtedly the most important industry for the future of humanity, right? We ha- all have to eat. So last year at the Advancing Women in Agricultural Virtual Conference, you had said the higher rate of interest and applications to agriculture programs globally reflect a shift in world priorities. So what are you seeing that's led you to believe this? Yeah, um, uh, I think across almost all universities, they're seeing a big shift. Uh, increase in enrollment for all of the agricultural programs. Um, And this hasn't just been happening, you know, in the last year. I think it's been happening over the last few years. Um, With COVID happening, it's shifted uh, priorities a little bit in that I think people are thinking a little bit more about uh, the food system, the food chain, the environment, sustainability. So it's put a bit of a focus on that, which I think has driven some people toward agriculture and agricultural programs. Um, but prior to COVID, there was still um, increasing enrollment that at least we saw at UBC and I know counterparts at, at other universities have seen. And it was, you know, a few things. It was around number one, there's a lot of jobs in agriculture um, when, for the students when they get out of university. And these jobs are fairly well paid. So uh, that was also driving, you know, students into these programs because there's, they're, they're, you know, uh, uh, looking obviously for a job when they get out of the program and those jobs are available. The other thing too is, is the huge amount of high-tech innovation that's driving the ag sector. And so um, the, uh, you know, thought of, of farming not being innovative, that like that's, that's gone by the wayside is, is that, Farmers are being innovative. There's a lot of ag tech happening in the sector. There's a lot of adaptation of the new technology happening in the sector. And I think that's also what's driving young people to be in that space um, because it's, you know, interesting and exciting and um, and, and ever-changing. Um, and so it's kind of this, I see students, you know, that have on the one hand sort of this entrepreneurial spirit of if, whether it's innovation or running their own business, I see those students. And then I also see, on the other hand, a desire for these students to also be involved in sustainable food production. They care about the uh, supply chain system. They find the markets really interesting. And this all, I I think, has just driven sort of this um, 
you know, a, a flee to agriculture and agricultural programs. Um, and yeah, it's more of a focus overall on food production and the environment that I think has put kind of a, more of a spotlight on agriculture and the students are going and enrolling into those programs, which I think is great. Yeah, for sure. And, and those are some good points too, about the diversity. Uh, I think the a statistic I heard the other day was 80 to 80 to 90% of the public, worked in agriculture at the turn of the century, last century in the 1900s, and now it's 2% uh, that's work, that works on farm. So there are you know, a broad assortment of jobs within the industry that, that aren't really on farm. But what sectors of ag are you seeing the most interest in? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's a little bit hard for me to answer, but uh, uh, just because I'm not, I mean, agriculture, as you know, is so vast. And there's so many sectors, you know, from, you know, animal husbandry and animal science to plant science and, you know, crop science. Um, and then you've got the business side and then you also have the resource economics um, side. You have policy like it's really, really vast. But we're seeing um, increased enrollment and increased interest in all of those sectors. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, whether you're interested in plant science and want to, you know, work with crops or uh, even with forestry, there's been recently increased interest in that. Um, but I would say, uh, you know, from my experience and because I work with uh, resource or agricultural economics, resource economics, food policy and agribusiness, um, uh, for definitely that sector has increased in um, just students wanting to uh, apply to the programs um, the, the number of students we have applying to the programs has significantly increased. The diversity of the students has increased. Uh, and yeah, I mean, so, so like I said, I think it's just all sectors. Uh, and I think the other thing too, is, is like you were saying, there's so many jobs that maybe historically people thought the jobs were on farm, on farm, like as a farm mm -hmm. laborer, but, but, but I think now it's realized that, that, that as a university grad, the jobs are, you know, doing other things in order to support the industry, whether it's in the banking sector or, you know, um, a, as a crop consultant. So it's in more managerial roles uh, and consulting roles. And um, so we've, you know, the students have realized these jobs are available and they're, you know, enrolling into these programs. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned um, that COVID could be a, a trigger for this, these supply chain disruptions of the environment. Um, so what do you think, in your opinion, is the catalyst for these young people coming through high school to, to really think about agriculture? When I was in high school, you never, ever heard about a job in agriculture. I was just I knew what I wanted to be in agriculture and from the beginning, but nobody ever talked about it. Yeah, this is a topic that I find so interesting because for myself, I come from agriculture. My parents farmed. That's what we did. That's what they did. They didn't have off-farm jobs. Um, farming was the primary source of income, and that's pretty much what you did, you know, every day. Um, they had a commercial hog operation when I was growing up, and then later on um, moved and were uh, broiler uh, producers. 
And so that's how the world that I come from. And, uh, and it, you're right. It used to be that uh, the, the kids or the folks or the, that were enrolled in university in agriculture came from agriculture. And so it made sense. You know, it's not hard to make that, you know, leap. You know, you grow up on a farm, you study agriculture, and then you either take over the heavenly farm or you work in the ag sector in some way um, or become a veterinarian or, you know, whatever. Um, but um uh, now I'm so interested to hear from the students about why they study agriculture. And I ask them and the answers that I get are very vast. Yes, there are still some who have family operations, whether it's a farm or whether it's a food processing um, operation may not be in Canada, it could be in China, or it could be, you know, in South America, because there's a lot of international students. Um, uh, so yes, there are those. Um, the class I have right now, for example, there's less than 20% that come from agriculture um, mm. of 38 master's students. Um, and the balance of them, um, they have all kinds of reasons why they study agriculture, from just an interest in food, to an interest in the environment, to being involved in something sustainable. I get, you know, long drawn out answers about the supply chain and how important it is. But overall, at the end of the day, I think that it's a couple of things. I think it's technology um, that, that um, you know, young people like technology and they like, uh, um, and so I think that is something that's driving them to agriculture. I think it's also their interest in food, sustainability, and the environment that's kind of driving them into that. And then I think that the importance of food and the idea that they're going to have a job that is rewarding beyond a paycheck is also something that I, that I you know, feel for myself, but also that I hear from the students as well. So I don't, you know, it's like I said, it's a, it's a a number of things that's drawing them into agriculture, but those are sort of the primary things. It's just the overall that they find it really interesting and they want to be, they, they are choosing to be involved in that um, sector. Wow. That's, yeah, that's great. And, and you're, it is so rewarding to be part of something that feeds the world. So I I would have to definitely agree with you there. And what advice do you give to high school students who are interested in pursuing a career in ag? Um, yeah, advice. Um, I mean, I would say, you know, go for it. If you have interest, there is lots of opportunity. There are lots of jobs and the sector is always changing. And so I would not hesitate in giving any, you know, high school student advice to say, you know, you should pursue it for sure. Um, I think that they're going to find their work to be interesting because it's always changing. I think they're going to find being involved in the sector to be rewarding. There's a lot of opportunity to travel. I mean, agriculture occurs everywhere, all over the world. People have to eat. I mean, and, it, and it's in different sizes and, and, and ways that it's done all over the world. Um, and the sector is just overall just so vast that um, there's so much room, I think, for whatever interest that person has, whether it's plant science or animal science or business, there's so much room in the sector to, 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 for, for the person to find a job in that space. That's great. And the the general public is now so far removed from the farm these days. It presents many new challenges to the industry. So what is the best way to address um, the issues that that causes? Yeah, the um, 
That's a great question. Um, and, and I, you know, I struggle with finding an answer for that one mm-hmm. because the, you know, the urban rural divide or the gap between rural and urban is often, you know, discussed and talked about and people are trying to find solutions for how to bridge that, that gap. Um, but I think one of the uh, uh, critical things is, is for, um, I mean, I'm an advocate of education. So to educate, uh, you know, folks that are living in rural or in urban areas about what about agriculture. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm very supportive of marketing campaigns where farmers are able to tell their story. Um, it's been shown that um, people respond much better and um, remember things much better if you tell them a story rather than a fact. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's important is, is not to bombard, you know, the city folks with um, facts about agriculture, but, but yes, who can do that, but uh, also tell the story from a farmer's perspective on what it's like. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think those marketing and campaigns and programs will work. I think social media is doing a great job at doing some of that. Um, Interestingly, I've spoken to people that do social media for uh, on the farming side, and they still say they struggle a little bit in getting to the real urban audience. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they find that their audience then on social media winds up being like other farmers. So they're still trying to, you know, connect the the the, you know, farmer with the city person and really to have that understanding in that conversation. Um, So. Uh, I mean, I think that's going to be something that definitely needs to happen more in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And and as a professor, what positive trends are you noticing in the up and coming generation that are entering the, the ag industry? Um, yeah, I, um, I often, you know, sometimes when I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm having a bad day or, you know, the world is going to, you know, hell in a handbasket or whatever thought that I have on that day. Um, I just, I go to one of my classes and I just talk to the students and I'm like, okay, I think we're, we're in good shape here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I find that the students are, and whether it's an undergrad class, I taught an undergrad class last year, a third year undergrad class about international food policy and So there's a lot of international students um, as well as, you know, obviously domestic students. And what I and and then in addition to my master's class, but I find a couple of things. I find the students are bright. They're keen, um, you know, about their futures, about getting a job. Um, I find that they are um, adaptable to change, you know, with COVID, they've had to change from in-person to online to a hybrid model. And, you know, it's always moving. And so this has built a certain amount of adaptability and resilience into the students, which I think will, you know, help them very well when they get out into the real world. And particularly if they're going into agriculture, Mm -hmm. Um, they embrace technology. I see that. Um, And so that's the other, the important thing is, is as agriculture also embraces technology. The students like technology. And so it's a good fit for the future generation and working in that space. Um, And I noticed too, like they're deciding to study agriculture because they want to be in that space. They're looking for a job that like is important. 
and rewarding. And so food production that feeds the world and, you know, the aspect of the environment and sustainability, those are like really things that are they're talking about and, and that are trends. That's great. And uh, another kind of issue, a side issue that affects, um, it's becoming a problem on farms across North America is animal activism. What are some of the things that young people in the industry can do to, to kind of combat this trend? Do you think it's more, it's more education? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. Um, the animal activism, um, you know, with my students, uh, in the classes that I teach and the conversations that I have, um, uh, I would say they're they're aware of that, and and everyone wants an animal on farm to be treated, you know, um, uh, like with compassion and kindness. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, they are, you know, oftentimes food, and um, and so like from a from a student perspective, they understand that, um, and so uh, um, you know, from an animal activism standpoint. Um, uh, like I don't see students going into and studying agriculture because they want to um, <clears throat> particularly be an act like uh, an advocate for animal activism. Right. Um, they're doing it because they want to be in the sector and, you know, and, and, and other reasons. Um, so the, I think the challenge is more on farm and uh, you know, that's a real tough one. And I think some of the other things around that rural urban divide that we talked about and farmers sharing their story, I think will, will help that. No, that's, that's good. There is really no silver bullet though. Right. And yeah, we just have to be aware of it and farmers definitely have to be prepared, I guess, too. Right. Well, and related to animal activism, social media plays a a really large role in that. And to tease out, you know, in social media, what is sort of uh, uh, true and real from what is sort of just being said can be a, a little bit challenging as well. And mm-hmm. so uh, um, in general, I mean, like I said, it's a, it's a it's an issue, but I think as more education is given to the public on what happens on farm and understanding and, and the stories that farmers can can tell and show, um, uh, I think that that will help. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, um, agriculture and and farming. I mean, you're not just producing a food product for consumption. They I think it's important for the story to include and for people to be aware of that it's so much beyond that. It's mm-hmm. it's so much more than just that. I mean, it's about you know a farmer having uh, uh, a lifestyle for their family. It's about you know, a legacy that they've either taken on and are continuing to carry forward. You know, it's about, yeah, it's a business where they need to um, be sustainable. And there's, you know, where all the pillars for sustainability, including creating a profit that they need to have. But it's so much beyond that. It's also about animal husbandry and about land stewardship, you know. And so I think that all of those aspects, I think, need to be shared so that um, people are aware. And then hopefully some of those uh, misunderstandings will combat some of that um, negative negativity that can sometimes occur. Right. And those are excellent points. And what are you seeing as the biggest challenge that the industry is up against in 2022? There's a lot going on right now. And and what are some ways that those can be overcome? 
Yeah, you know, that's a real loaded question <laughs> um, about challenges that are facing agriculture, you know, going forward and now. Um, I feel like it's, <laughs> you know, a different challenge on a different day to a different uh, agricultural, you know, producer. Um, and so, uh, but they're, you know, the industry is resilient and um, has overcome challenges and, um you know, and so the things that I see right now are there's a few things. I mean, when I go on farm and when I have conversations with people that are, you know, obviously operating in a large agribusiness or even a small one, one of the things is labor. Whether it's access to labor, i.e., finding good people, keeping good people, even having someone show up on your farm to work can be an issue for many of, of the um, people that I, you know, work with and see. Um, cost of labor increasing is also an issue. So I would say labor in general, accessibility and the cost is, um, is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, overall increasing costs in of, of input costs. So whether this is like everything as, I mean, it's all over the news, everything's getting more expensive. We have, you know, record levels of inflation. Um, input costs are very expensive. Feed costs are expensive. Hay is expensive. Um, fuel costs are increasing. Um, interest rates are now going to start rising. Uh, land prices have really risen in the last few years. So sort of, I mean, I'm sure you're aware the increasing costs of just everything really. Um, yeah, that's a real challenge. Um, the other thing is, is right now, obviously supply chain issues, whether related, oftentimes, you know, we're hearing it's related to COVID, but that's currently what I'm seeing and probably something we'll see for 2022. Hopefully, you know, that can all sort of get back to normal and our systems can, you know, start functioning as they were. But I do hear about challenges regarding supply chain issues. For example, a dairy farmer is putting in a new parlor and they're missing components of that parlor. And so they're not able to get the parlor up and running because they can't get the components. Um, You know, a farmer's looking to harvest. I had a call the other day with a a large layer, uh, egg layer operator, and they also have... um, you know, cropland that they crop and some of their equipment needs repairing and they can't get the parts. Mm -hmm. So, um, so those are, those are, I think a little bit more short, hopefully more short-term challenges. Yeah. 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 The other thing too is, is weather. Mm -hmm. I, um, I can't recall like 10 years ago. Yeah. We would talk about weather, but it wasn't to the extent I feel like that we've been talking about weather and climate change or environment or, or, or those things. So in the area where I live, for example, this past year in 2020, 21, we actually had four major weather events that impacted agriculture. Mm -hmm. There was forest fires during the summertime, like, you know, that significantly impacted our agriculture. We then had um, a heat dome in the summer. So it was very, very hot. And then, you know, so People that had uh, livestock saw some, you know, obviously some mortality um, uh, issues and some reduced production. Um, and, uh, um, uh, and so crops were fried in some cases because of this heat dome. It happened in August. And then we had flooding here, uh, significant flooding. Um, I'm sure you saw it on the news, but yeah, yeah, yeah we had significant flooding here in November. And that was just, you know, outrageous 
you know, kind of once in a generation, let's hope flooding. But that was just, you know, amazing in the worst possible way. (laughs) Yeah. And so that that and not only did that cause issues with on farms, like literally having to evacuate or be flooded, Mm -hmm. but it caused all kinds of logistics nightmares for the whole province because we had roads washed out everywhere. I mean, bridges, roads, it was just, it was out, it was every single person in agriculture was impacted that day, whether they were flooded or not because of the logistics of moving, you know, I mean, food gets transported everywhere of moving product, you know, Mm -hmm. People were flying things places, I mean, to get in order to meet their, their contracts. Um, And then the, and then, and then if that's not, you know, enough in December, we had a winter storm where it was cold and we had a lot of ice um, and in the Valley where I live and that caused other problems also power outages. I mean, all kinds of things. What a year. (laughs) <laughs> it was, it, it's just been, ama- I mean, you know, like I say, amazing in the worst possible way, um, you know, with all of the struggles and challenges already, you know, in the space with, you know, policy changes and market volatility and, you know, the other things I mentioned, and then to add weather on top of that, right. it's, yeah, it's just, it really, really is, um, has been challenging. And so um, I'm just glad that I am able to work in a space and in a sector where I can, you know, hopefully help in some way Mm -hmm. um, and, and help the sector, you know, get back to where they were. Um, But I, you know, those would be the main things. And I know it's a lot, but uh, you know, and I'm talking to any farmers and, and people in the state, in the, in the sector and in the industry, that's what I hear is is there, there are a lot of challenges. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And luckily, they're resilient people, and and hopefully, they're getting enough assistance to get through it all. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully, some of these challenges too are going to be a little more short term. You know, some of the mm-hmm. supply chain issues. Let's hope that's short term. Some of the yeah. weather. I mean, you know, we've we haven't seen these kinds of and the amount of and the sort of level of weather um, impacts before. So I'm hopeful that that's also, you know, kind of a once in a lifetime or once in a, you know, many decades uh, event rather than a regular occurring event. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, BMO, I know you're not directly related to to this area, but BMO has been making um, significant contributions with their new Climate Institute. Um, Do you have information about that? Yeah, um, it was announced in March, I believe, of last year um, that BMO has created a climate institute. And so um, what the bank is looking to do is it's um, it's sort of a, a virtual hub of expertise um, where scientists and analysts and, um, you know, partners can come together and um, help understand climate change, um, what's, you know, uh, um, sustainability, um, as well as reducing carbon emissions. That's one of the key things is to work toward reducing carbon emissions. And just overall, how do we operate more environmentally responsible? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, these items have come to the forefront. And when we see weather events, you know, like we've seen, it, it also, you know, kind of comes even more to the forefront. And so um, I think the banks realize that things are need to change and are going to change. And they want to be uh, 
a partner and um, help with that change. And so it's still really new. Um, things are, you know, forever changing. They're looking to, you know, help deploy capital into sustainable and green initiatives um, and also analyze um, uh, what what climate change could look like on physical assets as well. So they're using some like uh, software, AI, even spatial data to model, to start modeling and mapping out what that might look like in terms of, you know, where could assets and like land and crops be impacted potentially from climate change. So the idea is, and I mean, they're the specialists, their department is. And so if they want more, if you want more information, I encourage you to, even if you just Google BMO Climate Institute, it will take you right, right there. Great. Yeah. But um, it's more around being like a resource to help the the world and, and agriculture is a big part of that move in that direction. Yeah. And if you know anything about producers, they, they, they have a connection to the land and want to be good stewards of the land and, and, you know, continue that tradition and, and any assistance in that is, is, I would say is probably welcome. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I totally agree. Um, farmers want to take care of their animals and they want to take care of the land. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So if a student is looking for more information on a career in agriculture, where do you recommend that they go to start searching for that? Oh, that's a great, great question. Um, I mean, there's so many places where you can go to research. And so, I mean, there's kind of like two things, you know, there's a few things you can do. Yeah, you can go on the internet and you can research, you know, find your local university and see what agriculture programs they have there, right? You can expand it then and look at, you know, other larger universities. What do their programs look like? And the websites are really great as well because they'll show the kinds of jobs that alumni are taking on. So Mm. it gives the students a good idea too. like, Hey, if I do, if I study this and complete this program, here's, you know, kind of uh, an example of the kind of job that I may have. I think students could also go on various job work sites and see about what kind of jobs are available. Right. And what, what credentials are they looking for? Are they looking for a bachelor's degree? Are they looking for, you know, a diploma? Are they looking for, in some cases, a master's degree? So then they can prepare and say, well, you know, I'm interested in this type of a job. These are the, the credentials that I need. And then kind of focus on and on getting those credentials. And even larger agribusinesses, look at their career websites, right? What kind of jobs are they looking for and what the skill set that the companies are looking for? And then, you know, at the end of the day, I think nothing beats just in general talking to people, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, and whether it's, hey, if you're a, if a farm kid and your banker's coming, you know, in, in to meet with your parents about their banking, I mean, why not talk to the, the, the ag banker that's there about, you know, what jobs are available in agriculture? I guarantee you, I mean, I don't know of anyone that wouldn't welcome that conversation, you know? Right. Yeah. Or uh, uh, the crop specialist comes on farm and you can talk to them about that. And if you're not from farming and you have a desire and an interest to do that, I mean, you know, you can go on LinkedIn and find people that are in that role and reach out. Um, That's a little bit tougher because they don't know you. But still, Mm -hmm. people are more I think that I think that the industry has a level of of like uh, um, welcoming talent. Um, Right. And so uh, I, 
I, I, I can't imagine that somebody would say, well, no, I don't want to talk to you about a career in agriculture. Like, like they're going to welcome yeah, that. For sure. So I definitely encourage students to do that. I mean, just talk to somebody and see what they say about their job, other jobs, or if they didn't have that job, what job would they, you know, what do they see? You know, all of those things I think will be, uh, would be really good for students to make their decision. And then, you know, my other advice is, is when they're researching, like, just don't hesitate. Um, um, you know, there's, there's a real need for talented people in agriculture. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so I have one more question for you. Um, what are you most passionate about? Why do you personally serve the (laughs) ag industry? I can see you have lots of passion about it. So, oh, well, (laughs) I am really passionate about it because, um, well, I, you know, this is such a good question and it's kind of like, um, it touches so many things. So like, I'm just curious in general about all things agriculture, um, whether it's ag tech or just, um, you know, somebody has like a really good quality bull and I'm like, oh, well, I want to come see, <laughs> you know, I just am really, really, and I don't know where that curiosity comes from. Perhaps it comes from, I don't know, being born and raised on a farm and it's kind of in your blood a little bit. Um, but I really am just really, really curious about all things having to do with agriculture, food, food technology, you know, um, uh, pretty much anything in that space. And so when I am going on a farm tour, when I'm meeting a client for the first time and there's something new and interesting, that really is motivating to me because I'm just so curious about it. Um, and I always just have like a ton of questions and I know people sometimes maybe find that, a bit bumble, but I just really, I just really want to know. And so that, you know, um, you know, if I go on a holiday somewhere, I like my, I would like to go on a farm tour, you know, if I am going on a holiday somewhere. So I think it's the curiosity part. And then the other thing too, is, is, um, uh, I just have a real admiration for, farmers and agribusiness owners that do it really well. So, I mean, we've talked about all the challenges in the space, right? I mean, there's so many challenges in the space. And there's also a reason why they do what they do that's beyond just putting food on the table for the families, right? There, there's a legacy to it. There's the, uh, uh, like a heart in soul into the operations oftentimes, or they're building a legacy or taking on a legacy, or they want to have that as their lifestyle for their family. Um, and there's just so many things to manage right in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say to my students, I'm like, agriculture is the most interesting because the products are alive. And so you're not making widgets and gadgets. You're making things that are alive. Mm -hmm. And so it's so interesting. And so when a farmer or an egg business owner does it successfully year over year, and in my job, I'm lucky I get to meet them. My admiration for them and what they do and have accomplished really, really is vast. Like I just, I just can't um, explain how, I'm just so, I don't know, motivated, or I really admire the skill set, not just from like a business acumen standpoint, but just from like resilience to, um, you know, the family aspect um, and being like we talked about earlier, a steward of the land, um, taking good care of your animals, 
So I'm just, uh, I, I, that's one of the things I know it's kind of corny, but I do, I really admire that, um, those aspects. And then at the end of the day, I mean, I just want to help, you know, like many of my students, I do find the work is really rewarding and, um, I'd like to be of assistance and help. That's really cool. Very nice. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Karen. And thanks to everyone who's watching or listening. If you want to learn more, the links will be provided in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to North American Egg Spotlight on YouTube, Rumble, or Eggfuse channels. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great day. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode, where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Ag Spotlight. Also, head on over to NorthAmericanAg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanAg.com. Thanks for listening. newest podcast by North American Ag is called What Color Is Your Tractor? The stories behind the ag brands you love and the ag brands you love to hate. Hosted by me, Chrissy Wozniak. We take a deep dive into the companies that have built modern agriculture. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Go to whatcolorisyourtractor.com. Available on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit Fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar to register now.